the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ramson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked him great with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode number 36 of the 5 for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. And today's guest, we have one Mr. NHL veteran, Chris McAllister, and I had a lot of fun talking with Chris, and we go over a lot of the people that he fought, and um, he fought some tough, tough customers, and of course he played over in Europe and uh, was teammates with some tough guys, including Brashear and stuff like that. So we go over that and um, had a great talk. I apologize, this episode's a bit delayed getting out. I wanted to release this last week. I've been really tied up with work. Um, and then the days where I'd want to go record, like uh, one night we had a power outage, um, lovely Florida storm over here in the apartment. So, uh, wasn't able to get it out that night. And then yesterday I was, I was supposed to release this the last night, but had the mother-in-law come over. I totally forgot she was coming over. So, um, you know, podcasting and the mother-in-law's room, because of course the guest bedroom doesn't quite work out too well. <laughs> so, uh, I had to put it on delay. So uh, luckily I was able to get home a little bit earlier from work and, you know, kind of record this before everybody, um, you know, gets back and like the fiance and the mother-in-law and everything like that. So, um, anyways, yeah, there it is. We'll finally be able to get this episode out again. I apologize for the, de- uh, the delay. Um, I had a couple people message me asking when it's going to be out. And I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be out, you know, Thursday night or whatever. And then that's when the power outage happened. So <laughs> we weren't able to, um, you know, get it out then. Uh, you know, the power wasn't off all night, luckily, but it was just, it was spotty. And we're having this, that time of year in Florida where we have those, uh, one or two showers a day going on. So, um, whether it's thunderstorms or showers, but that day was bad. It was like almost, it was like a monsoon outside, um, bolt lightning flashed and then fucking power went all, all to hell. So, um, but better late than never, as they say, right? So anyways, getting this episode out, I'm excited for it. And, uh, I had a lot of great feedback on the Bob Probert special recently. Of course I did that with Darren over at fourth line voice and the wife of Bob Probert was uh, Danny Probert. Uh, again, had a lot of fun doing that one and kind of hearing, I think it was kind of, you know, a cool perspective to get. We got it from the fight fans perspective and then you had it from the, uh, the other side of things where it's, you know, you get to kind of get a little bit more personal about it with Danny. And, you know, I didn't want to ask her too many fight questions or whatever, because um, I thought it was kind of important to get, you know, the other side of pro the side that some guys might not see the off ice stuff where uh, he's not just this mean 
guy all the time who's fighting out there and everything like that. So I had a lot of fun doing the the Bob Probert special, and the reception was very well. So for those who tuned in and listened, uh, I appreciate it. And if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, I encourage you to go back and check out my previous episodes. Um, the list goes on as far as guests that I've had um, from anywhere between NHLers like Chris McAllister and all the way up to the Quebec League with the LNH and minor leagues in between, like, you know, the Whipple and the SPHL and UHL and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I have guys like Yablonski, Segroy, Tice, Zerba, Ken Tasker, Frank Bialois. You know, the list goes on there. So um, I definitely encourage you to go back and check those out and give them a listen and hear the boys' stories. Um, you know, I got a couple episodes lined up um, for the upcoming weeks. Next week will be Craig Stahl. I uh, had a lot of fun talking with him, and it feels like forever ago since we talked. I had so many episodes in the bag. Um, and then I actually just recently uh, wrapped up an episode with Curtis Tidball, who was an LNH veteran. Uh, and he fought everybody. He had a lot of fights. I want to say he's probably second all-time in hockey history as far as um, fight totals go. He has a 613, which I know isn't that far behind Mike Bro, who is the, uh, the all-time leader in hockey fights. So... Um, yeah, I want to say he's probably about second all time, which is kind of cool, but, um, yeah, well, anyways, you know, I won't keep you guys too long. I got to give the shout outs to the usual suspects for, you know, my recommendations of other podcasts to go listen to. And that's of course, Darren over at the fourth line voice. Um, he just recently had on, uh, Jeremy Thompson. I know he had on, and then he just recently re-released the, uh, Les Borsheim interview and he just recorded with Jeff Audrey. So I'm looking forward to that, which I think that'll be out tomorrow maybe um yeah i think so because it's wednesday and that's his usual release day he does wednesday here wednesdays is like newer episodes and then his sunday is the old from the vault episodes which is where from his show previously before ever he got that uh his account got messed up or whatever the case may be and all of his stuff got taken down so you can go check out his old interviews on from sundays and it's from the vault and he's got interviews with guys like um you know steve mcintyre john morasti guys like that so other tough guys as well um, another one to go check out is Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box where he has Islanders enforcers on. He uh, focuses specifically on the Islanders tough guys. And he goes very in depth with those interviews. He just had, uh, I think it was Eric Bolton on. He just had, which was a real treat to listen to. Um, and you know, he's always coming out with great content. I, I forget who he just had on. I just saw it today. Uh, so Joe, I apologize. I have to go double check that, but I definitely will have it queued up in the, uh, in the car for you there. Um, and I'll be listening for sure. And then last but not least over at the bucket drop podcast, we have Bobby Longgrass and he, uh, you know, kind of focuses a little bit more towards the tougher side of hockey. He does a lot of, he's had me on, I've done, uh, you know, the top 10 Tampa Bay lightning enforcers of all time with him. He's had Darren on for LNH guys. He had Joe on for Islander tough guys. So, uh, making our rounds there through the through Bobby show, which has been a lot of fun, and uh, definitely recommend going to check him out and enjoy his content. So he was also a former player himself, and he actually played a few games in the Federal Hockey League, and even gotten a couple tilts. And I believe he shares that story on his his podcast there, and he shared it on Darren's as well because Darren had him on. Um, so yeah, go check out those usual suspects. Um, you know the usual lineup there that you see, but. Uh, if you want to follow the account, you can go ahead and follow it at five, the number, and then four fighting pod on Twitter. And then on Instagram, it's just spelled out regularly five for fighting pod. You can also go to the Facebook page, which is just five for fighting podcast. Give it a like and a follow, and you'll be up to date on all the information and all the new episodes and stuff like that. Um, 
And then while you're at it, if you want to check out more, like, you know, hockey fights and enforcer content, you can always go to the Enforcer Appreciation Group, which was a group I created last year, and we're up to 11,000 members now. Um, you post every day, whether it's different various fight topics or, you know, hypothetical matchups, and then you also have, you know, videos, and players will post themselves, and a lot of former players in that group uh, from guys who maybe, you know, played at juniors and stopped all the way up to guys who played in the NHL, so... There's plenty of uh, plenty of content in there, and everybody's there for the same reason to appreciate the boys. And it's called Enforcer Appreciation for a reason, you know. So, um, definitely recommend going to check that out. But, anyways, I won't keep you guys too long. I've already kept you waiting long enough with how uh, how shitty I've been as far as getting this episode out. So again, I do apologize. But, anyways, without further ado, we will pass it over to Chris McAllister. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoy, and make sure you tune in next week for Craig Stahl. And so for today, we have Chris McAllister. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. Here today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a man who played parts of eight seasons in the NHL, took on some of the biggest heavyweights you could talk about, and stood himself at six foot seven. And that's incredible to think about, especially with today's players. And that is none other than Chris McAllister. Chris, how are you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, hopefully give us some stories about, you know, the, the good old days of playing. Absolutely. It's a little different than nowadays, that's for sure. <laughs> a little bit. Do you even watch today's hockey at all? Uh, not too much, no. No, it's it. I'm not either. <laughs> I don't either. It's uh, it's bad, but um, <laughs> to say the least. Not that the players are bad, but just the, uh, the aura around the game, I guess we'll say. But, um, you know, you so you were born in uh, Saskatoon out there in Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, obviously we got going here. You're not there anymore, but um, what are you kind of up to today as far as, uh, you know, work or whatever? What's Chris McAllister doing today? Uh, I retired hockey in 2010. My last year is at uh, Wichita Thunder. Uh, we set all kinds of records that year, but just the wrong ones. Went uh, nine wins, 50 losses, one tie, I think it was. Um, after that, um, moved, got divorced, moved back to Canada, got remarried, Three little kids now. Um, I'm working for Nutrien. It's a potash company. Uh, I started working at the quarry mine just west of Saskatoon. And I took a promotion, took a supervisor role three and a half years ago down in Rokenville, Saskatchewan, which is right by Manitoba, U.S. border kind of thing. And I've been here ever since in Esterhazy, Saskatchewan. Well, there you go, man. And so, you know, being born in Saskatchewan, was it kind of cool to uh, play for the uh, the Saskatoon Blades out there? Absolutely. Um, growing up, I was never a good player, right? I've always played Tier 2, Tier 1, growing up in Adam and that, but Midget Double A is the highest I went. We won City Champs, but other than that, I played Junior B with Saskatoon Royals. That's where I learned how to fight. Fighting the old farm boys out in Junior B. I played Junior B and then caught the eye of the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, Lou Manicki and Lauren Mulliken came to watch the game. Uh, and I think it was 92, 93. Um, met with them and I practiced with the Blades halfway through that year. Didn't play games, just practiced with them, try to get my fat ass in shape. A lot of puking in those practices, but it paid off. And then the uh, following year, I went to camp. And I remember uh, Mark Rader was going to Detroit Red Wing camp. And he came into the dressing room and said, I'm going to camp next week. I need to practice fighting. Who wants to fight? I said, I'll fight you. So center ice, me and Mark Rader went at it and then had a good tilt, spirited affair. Then after the fight, shook hands in belly box. Um, that was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of neat. 
And then he came back from Detroit's camp, played cut me. I went playing humble Broncos for my 18 year old year. Well, there you go. And so, you know, with the fighting, of course, that's what this podcast is about. Um, did did you kind of use that as a way to stand out and make yourself, uh, I guess, more known since you might not have been scoring as much as other players and stuff like that? Were you Was that your way of kind of trying to set yourself aside from the others? Or like, was did a coach come up to you and be like, hey, maybe if you want to go to the next level, this might be what you have to do? Well, yeah, pretty much that's what I thought. I tried for the AAA midget contacts in Saskatoon. I uh, fought my good friend, Craig Hayden, who was, I think was a captain that year of that team. And they cut me the, that, right after that scrimmage game. So I don't know if I did something wrong, whatever. Then that's why I played junior B. But uh, I think just being big, guys just came after me. And I held my own, did pretty good. And then ever since then, it was kind of just a, a role I was given. And I enjoyed doing it at the start of my career. And that's what got me to where I was and got me to NHL at that time. Right. So, well, towards the end of your career, I'm sure after like doing some, some injuries and kind of doing it so many times, it probably gets old, but, um, you know, it got you there and you played parts of eight seasons in the NHL. So I guess it paid off for you. Eh? Absolutely. Um, I had a great time doing it too. It's fun. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a couple of teammates that you had on that, uh, that blades team, uh, a couple of guys I got to ask you about, of course, uh, and you know, rest in peace, but the late Wade Belak, what was it like playing with, uh, Wade? It was awesome. We, uh, partners um got along great but kind of the same personality i remember uh practices and stuff like that we'd always practice fighting and stuff like that and i don't know off the ice we got into a couple of scraps not against each other just helping each other out and <laughs> some guys <laughs> thought they were tough so but they ended up not being so tough <laughs> remember a few times in some of the bars outside of saskatoon there it was good times for sure and i remember uh him and I actually got a chance to fight each other when I was with Vancouver. He was with Colorado. And I remember Kelly Chase giving me so much shit for fighting my friend. I remember him telling me, never fight your friends. Because I think <laughs> if you talk to Chase, I don't think I ever fought Kosher or anybody close to him, like Twister and all those guys he grew up with, Clarkie. I know he fought Twister once when he was in Hartford, and it was after he got traded, and it was like... uh he didn't want to do it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, that and it's Tony Twist. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was uh, with Wade Belak. Yeah, I talked to him. He was doing that Battle of Blades in Toronto. I talked to him the day before, and he wanted me to come out there and get together and have fun and stuff like that. And then my wife got me the next day, or whatever, and said that Wade was gone. So it was kind of a shock. Yeah, it's got to be hard. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, the hockey world lost three guys that year with, of course, Bugard and Rippin. So it was. Um, pretty heavy i guess and of course as your role in the enforcer as well um heavy in that role as well but um another guy i gotta ask you about was clark wilm what was it like playing with him clark he was good um called wilma he's always a good guy good to me um i'm glad he did well for himself too after we left the blades and all that stuff too good leader on the team too i think he's living back in saskatoon now as well well there you go um and so, you know, you get drafted by the Canucks uh, in the second round. You know, what was that feeling for you, man? It was awesome. I remember going to Edmonton where the draft was. I seen all these guys in suits and stuff like that. And I'm walking around with jean jacket, jeans, and cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I remember going into San Jose's meeting and stuff like that. I was like, so if you – who started for you at Wade Belock? And I was like, well, I am. So if you had a chance to fight him, we think you'd beat him up? I'm like, Absolutely. And just going through all the interviews with all the teams and stuff like that. And I had a really good one with Vancouver. 
and I remember pulling up to the rink at Edmonton and then them coming over and like, we'll see you soon. So that was kind of a neat feeling. Well, there you and go. And then they made that big trade at the first round too. So I wasn't sure what was going to happen after that. Yeah. Um, you know, so unfortunately, uh, you know, looking up at your fight card and everything, I'm not able to pull up some of your stuff from when you were in Syracuse, but a couple of teammates I got to ask you about while you were there uh, was one, and we I talked about him recently with um, Paxton Schulte, who was the most recent episode I had, but it was uh, John Baduke. What was it like having him on the team? Big bad John, yeah. Um, he was an interesting character. He's also a Saskatchewan boy too, so um, I believe he's still married to Wendy. I think they're out in Alberta somewhere now. But uh, Big John, he was a typical Saskatchewan kid, fight anybody, stick up for his teammates. Um, as you can see on his YouTube pictures, him going over penalty boxes, fighting guys. <laughs> he wasn't afraid to do whatever it took, right? So it was always entertaining. For sure. Um, and you know, another guy, and of course he's become a little bit more popular, and I think he does uh, commentating for, I think, the Coyotes maybe. Um, uh, he's gotten a little bit of traction over here with uh, spitting chicklets and everything, but you had Tyson Nash as a teammate. How was he? Tyson, he was good. You know, he was a good role player back back then. He was kind of a late bloomer, I thought. I uh, did his role. Um, I don't think Vancouver gave him the opportunity that he deserved to get called up. Uh, I remember listening to his podcast, actually. He's like, yeah, I had a good year in Syracuse. I was doing well. And then all of a sudden, they call up Burt Robertson and Chris McAllister, like two of the biggest thug defensemen. But I, I laughed when I heard that. Because <laughs> that's the way uh, Mike Keenan was back then, right? <laughs> he was coaching at the time but i'm glad tyson had a good career after that and got a chance to get out of vancouver and go well with st louis and phoenix absolutely um and you know the last teammate to ask you about from um syracuse was alex dojanoff what was it like with him and of course you'd become teammates with him in vancouver once he got called up but you know how was he told you he was good he was a big guy um taught me a little bit in practice and stuff like too how to handle yourself as a big guy and um he was quiet reserved kind of guy when I got to meet him um only it's probably only half a year I got to play with him so it wasn't very long anyway right um so at this point and you get called up you know what what was that feeling like because you finally got called up to the big club and you know you live your whole life trying to get to the NHL and you finally make it how was that man oh it was like you're living in the bubble um Pittsburgh Lemieux Yager I think we lost 5-3 I think I took five minor penalties I believe if I my memory is um, comes back to me, but I think I got sent down. I didn't play the game against Washington. They sent me down for two more weeks, and I ended up coming back up, and never went down again for seven and a half, eight years after that. But well, there you go, great doing something right. Playing against Dogger and Lemieux and that Pittsburgh team at that time was pretty good. <laughs> what a first game to get thrown to the Wolves, and you got Lemieux and Yager on the other team coming at you. Absolutely, <laughs> I got that right. <laughs> um, and you know, so. You break into the NHL and you're at your first NHL fight, and of course this might not be as far as training camps or preseason, but um, from what I can tell, was Steve McKenna. And you know, how was it to get kind of that first fight out of the way? Were you were you nervous or you know leading up to it at all, or did you just go head first and just say fuck it? I said fuck it. It was I think it was in L.A. the old core, the old Coliseum, wherever they played out of. They fought uh, Eric Bischoff, McKenna, and Matt Johnson got me at the third one, third time. I think Matt Johnson, I think I just turtled in that one. <laughs> First time fighting the big guy. Absolutely. Um, and, well, a couple of teammates that you had on that Vancouver team, I mean, God, this team was fucking tough. You had yourself, Brashear, Ojik, Bertuzzi, Messier. Like, how was it? Did you, like, if you guys wanted to play fuck around, you could play fuck around. Oh, I remember playing against Chicago Blackhawks in the preseason game. 
was a show. It was something like that. Probably a three and a half, four hour game just with all the fights that happened. I know we weren't very good in Vancouver, but we were pretty tough. We had Enrico Ciccone, Scatchard, you name it, Brad May, like you said, for sure. Walker, Scatchard. It's crazy. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Shikoni was mean, man. I'm a huge Shikoni yeah. fan because, uh, you know, growing up in Tampa, I didn't really get to see him play because I was kind of too young um, at that time. But just looking at old videos, yeah, Shikoni just didn't give a shit. <laughs> That's right. Um, that creamy French mentality, Italian, you know. Oh, yeah. It's funny. He's in politics now out there in Montreal, which is crazy to think about. Um, sure. You know, another big name that you fought that year as well was old Jimmy Mack, and you fought him a few times throughout your career. But uh, Jim McKenzie, how did that – well, actually, your first fight went pretty well for you, I think. Yeah, I was pretty excited. I remember sitting on the bench, and Mike Keenan gave me a tap, go play left wing. I took off whoever's on left wing. I look over, and there's Big Jim. I'm like, guess we're going, eh? <laughs> and I uh, did pretty good. You know, and Jim and I had quite a few battles when he was with the Devils. I was the Flyers. Um, we knew our roles each, and we both understood what we had to do. And Big Jim, he was always good to me. And I've been in contact a few times throughout when I retired and all that. He's always been good to me, so. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's, at this point, you know, it's your first season in the NHL, and you've you've got a couple fights under your belt. Are you kind of feeling like, you know, hey, I, I can I can do this. Like, you know, I could I could see myself doing this and um, excelling at it, and you know, making actually a career out of it. Absolutely. Um, had some good fights early on, like you said, and the guy like in chief uh, Chicone kept it encouraging me after fights. He's like, man, you did it again. You did it again. Build my trying to build my confidence up and stuff like that. And, guys like that and Brashear was always good to me and Ojik and Dana Mersin was my first roommate on the road and a guy like even Dave Babbage too you know had these old veteran guys giving me good pointers and building my confidence up too so it was pretty pretty pumped that way you know you, you mentioned Ojik uh, how was he as a teammate because uh, you know I loved him in the um, Ice Guardians documentary he was really good in there but um just seemed like he he loved it he you know just wake up every morning looking to punch someone in the face <laughs> absolutely just the way he did it too and him and Pavel were good friends at the time too right they did everything together outside the rink and obviously you know what he did on the ice to protect Pavel all the time as well exactly and you know you played with an absolute legend in the hockey world and of course that's Mark Messier how was Messier everybody says he's just like larger than life almost in the locker room he is too like right and uh I've never seen a guy be able to put on new pair of skates every period he must have went through 60 pairs of skates that year just Amazing, like if it didn't feel right, he knew what his body wanted, knew what he liked, and if he didn't like it, he switched it out. Um, with him having Mike Keenan as a coach, too, I know they knew each other from the Ranger days and stuff like that, but he was good to me. Um, taught me how to pick out a proper lie for your stick. Um, little things like if your skate blades get a longer length for better balance on the ice. Uh, he saved me from getting my ass kicked from McSorley one game because at the end of my shift, he was at the start of his. So little things like that to protect you, young guys. Right. And you mentioned Mike Keenan. Of course, he's well-known in the hockey world as you know Iron Mike. What was it like with uh, with Keenan? Because, of course, every player has like mixed reviews. Either love him or hate him. How, how was he for you? Uh, I loved him. Um, I remember when he took over when Tom Rennie got fired. I think we were in Anaheim. He's flew in Anaheim, he's introducing himself. He looks at me, six seven, eh? Can you skate? I'm like, yeah, I can skate. All right, you're playing left wing for me that night. So I think that was my first game with Mike Iron Mike. There you go. Easy enough. Um yeah. 
so, you know, the next year you, you fight some big names as well. And, of course, you get Brad May on the team this year. And uh, But the first one that sticks out to me, and, of course, absolute legends in the enforcer world, is Joe Kosher. You took on that big, heavy right hand. Or what was that like? Do you, are you nervous or are you just trying to duck that right hand because you know it's just coming at you like a bag of hammers? I remember correctly, I think I hit Eisman and I had Probert or Kosher. So I picked Kosher. <laughs> uh, I think he threw his right, first right hand. I think we fell right away, too, so. Yeah, the crazy thing—I don't even know if that's the lesser of the two evils there either. I it's know, just right? like <laughs> you know, <laughs> pick one, exactly. flip a, flip a coin, I guess, and just go after it. Um, and you know, another fight you had with another big guy, and I'm a huge fan of his, is uh, Scott the Sheriff Parker. You fought him, and he actually had it was uh, beauty tilt. You just toe to toe, and it's like you'd get him down, and then he'd get you down. He'd bounce back, or you both would bounce back up, and then just start trading again. And it was like almost kind of like a marathon tilt too. Yeah, I think it was his first year, and I was still trying to make a name for myself. I knew with Wade Belak, they had a pretty tough lineup that night, too. Cam Russell, Belak, Parker, Warren Reichel. I think we were all on the ice at the time. And I lined up with Parksy and asked him to go. And, you know, he, him being a BC boy, you want to do it in Vancouver. So, like you said, it was a good tilt back and forth, a good minute, minute and a half fight. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard uh, stories about him. Was he grunting or talking to you at all during the fight? Because I know he was kind of known to do that as well. Well, he'd look at you with that big goatee, right, and grunty bear. And I got a chance to play with him in Colorado, too. So he's a big teddy bear off the ice. Um, but he does his role, and he knows his role, and he was doing it on the ice, too. So I know he, when I played with him in Colorado, too, he was the guy, the go-to guy to do anything, fix Something went wrong in your house, call Parks. He's got the tools to come fix it. <laughs> there you go, Park, Parker the handyman. He does, he's really soft yeah. with the hands as far as uh, <laughs> housework, exactly. but then throw him on the ice and he's a killer. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, you get traded to Toronto, and uh, how was that for you? Were, you? were you happy about the trade? Because, you know, I know Toronto is kind of like one of the pinnacles of the hockey world as far as playing there. Um, and I know the media can be kind of crazy, uh, especially in today's era, I guess, with uh, – yeah. everything going on but you know how how was that for you did you enjoy the trade were you happy or did you kind of have a little bit of a sour taste to it it kind of caught me off guard um i think we we're in chicago and mark crawford called me to the room they said we have a lot of toughness on the left side um we had to make some moves we traded to toronto and with pat quinn drafting me out of vancouver and him and being in toronto now kind of helped i thought he probably brought me over there help protect and give ty a little break um, you know, always the first trade is always the hardest, I find. Everybody I talked to said the first trade is always the hardest. So, um, went there. I don't know. I had fun. We had a good team. We went to the conference final, lost to Buffalo. Uh, played the first round against Philly. Did really well. Then I never got to play again after that. No idea why, whatever, but that's a long time ago. Um, whatever's good for the team, right? Um, good city, good time. I just wish I was older to appreciate it by the time when I was in Toronto because I was kind of young. Didn't really appreciate it as much as I should have. Right. And, you know, you brought him up earlier, and, of course, another legend in the enforcer world, but was Ty Domi, and you had him as a teammate. What was it like with him in the locker room? And, you know, how was it playing it with Ty? Ty, he was great. Um, good times away from the rink him and I had, too. Um, he always calls. He has a good nickname for me. If you ever talk to me, you have to ask him what that nickname is. He'll, he'll probably laugh. Um, it's just McBear Pickle, he'd call me. If you ever see Ty, you'd have to ask about McBear Pickle. But I have a good story for you. <laughs> McBear but Ty Pickle. was good, you know. Yeah, I felt uh, felt bad for the trainer there because they always have to shave his back for him, too. So he's a hairy, 
hairy guy. <laughs> have to shave his have to shave Domi's back. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um well a guy you fought that year and I think he's kinda goes under the radar for a lot of people, but uh, you know, I am always like enjoying watching his fights and I've fallen down the rabbit hole a couple times, but it was Christoph Oliwa. You know, yeah. how was it fighting him? Good. Uh, we fought a few times when he was in Albany and I was in Syracuse in the minors. And then I think it was one of my first fights in Toronto against Oluwa and got switched to my left. And I think it surprised me a little bit. Um, and we fought a few times when he was in Pittsburgh and I was in Philly as well. We had a few fights in our careers against each other. And uh, we're still in contact nowadays. I know he's doing well with his hockey down in the East Coast somewhere. I think it's New Jersey, I believe. That's awesome. Um you know, so at this point, and, you know, you're kind of establishing yourself as, you know, a heavyweight in the NHL. Are you doing anything, like, off the ice as far as training goes? Like, I don't know, boxing or MMA or anything like that or, you know, anything to kind of get the edge? Um, I started doing kickboxing in Syracuse my second year. I uh, spent my first wife is going to Syracuse University, so I spent my summers there. And I ended up working with a kickboxing company there. And that's where I got my balance and striking power to start with and then as my years progressed down moving back to philly i got to work with master scott with uh, big fridge him and i would drive and see master scott um just for striking power and stuff like that so it was kind of good that way to meet people that way but i would do boxing lessons not like mma guys like i think jessica does that or whatever but it's just more grunted it out punch for punch so you could take one but I think later on in my career at Philly is where I took boxing lessons and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm those who listen, they know I'm a jersey guy and I collect, uh, you know, game-worn jerseys. Did you ever have any tricks that you would do with your jerseys, like tighten your sleeves or, uh, you know, shorten them up at all or just nothing at all? No. I remember when the, I don't know, I think it was Toronto years, late 90s, early 2000s, when everybody went to the goalie jerseys, right? The big yep. lots of room. But I never did the skinny tight to your arm. And like that, no. Right. Well, I feel like you had to wear a goalie jersey being six seven anyways. Like you had to Pretty wear much. the big ones. <laughs> well, playing senior hockey now in Saskatchewan is being as big as I am, the jerseys are kind of small, so I don't even wear shoulder pads playing senior hockey here. So there you Can't go. Get it over. <laughs> yeah, I know uh in, in junior Derek Bugard when he played for uh, I think it was Prince George and like if you uh, it's a a buddy of mine, Brent Cover, and I've had him on the podcast before, a huge enforcer jersey collector, has like almost and I think over 800 jerseys, um, but there's a jersey. And, of course, Boogie was so big, they had to, like, take another jersey, cut it off at, like, the bottom and sew it to that one because he was just so big and they didn't have anything that could fit him. So um, <laughs> it's just crazy how, you know, with the big boys like yourself, it's just you got to do something with the jerseys. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, the next year you fought another dude, and he's, he didn't win them all, but I, I just love the fact that he went out there, went toe-to-toe every time, and it was all heart, and he was even captain on a couple teams, but that's Jeff Odgers, and he was such a gamer, um, and anybody that watches his fights will know it, but what was it like fighting Jeff? I remember uh, Colorado in Toronto in a face-off. He's like, hey, Chris, you want to fight? I'm like, yeah, perfect. So we had a spirited, quick fight, you know, and then afterwards, like, thanks, Chris. Gentleman on the ice, and being down in Rokenville, he's from Rokenville down in the area, Spy Hill. So I see him and then playing senior hockey here the last three years. He was playing in Rokenville. I'm playing in Theodore, so we play against each other quite a bit. Any tilts between you guys now? Well, I asked him. He said, you want to be like old times to go again? He said, we just laughed. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I love Rodgers, man. He, like I said, he didn't win them all, but he just 
all show Hardy. up anytime. Yeah, right? exactly. All Hardy was just an absolute gamer. Um, so you get traded to Philly. You know, what was that like being into the uh, the city of brotherly love, they say, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I talked to uh, I talked to Bobby Clark there. He's like, man, we like the way you played against us in the Toronto series when I was in Toronto. And that's the reason why they traded for me. And I don't know, I think when Phil Barber took over the team, I kind of found a good home for myself in that team, and I felt comfortable. I was a fifth, sixth defenseman for a couple of years, and it really found my niche in the fighting category. And Luke Richardson helped me out lots, and I got with Dan McGillis quite a bit on that team, and then Brashear was there as well. Absolutely. You know, how was Brashear as a teammate? Because I, I, I always hear mixed reviews on him as far as like a, as a fighter standpoint goes, but what was it like having him as a teammate? You know, Donald was in Vancouver. We didn't really hang out too much, but in Philly, we both had bikes. We would go riding Harleys together and stuff like that, too. I think there was eight or nine of us had Harleys in Philly. So I remember after games, we'd go beat, go home, change, get your bikes, go beat somewhere, go ride till one thirty, two o'clock in the morning all season long because winters are pretty mild down there. So you just get your full leathers on. And it's a good way to unwind. Good way to hang out with the team, too. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so a couple of teammates I got to ask you about, and you brought him up earlier that you'd go fight or uh, go train with him. And that was Todd Fedoric, the fridge, you know, how was he as a team? And, uh, you know, another guy who was an absolute gamer, maybe didn't win them all, but just always went out there and showed up. He was such a gifted athlete, right? He's could do, he's good at whatever he did. Um, guy could do backflip, stand, still be in 250 pounds, <laughs> a very agile. Um, I know working out with master Scott doing the martial arts and that he was really gifted at that as well. Um, and the guy could fly on the ice too. He could skate, could handle the puck, and just an absolute beast too to handle, manhandle people as well. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another guy that you had on that team, um, one of the most probably entertaining fighters out there, and is always good for like video fights. I guess you could say it looks good on video. And that was PJ Stock. You know, how was it playing with him? I uh, soccer and I hung out quite a bit in Philly. Uh, our wives at the time I, uh, hung out. We hung out quite a bit. Always entertained. The guy could talk. You know, that's why he's t- doing well for himself in the broadcast world, too. And that's exactly how it was on the ice, nonstop chatter. There you go. Yeah, he, that fight with Pete is still probably one of the best fights of all time. Just insane. Absolutely. Back and forth, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and a couple of fights you had that year I got to ask you about. And he might not have been the same the same guy he was in his earlier days, but you fought Sandy McCarthy, the Sandman. You know, how was it fighting him? It was good. Uh <clears throat> Like you said, it was one of my first games in Philly. He was a new, a brand new New York Ranger too. He was in New York, um, play along the wall, tapped him on the back, said you want to go. Uh, I, I ate a few rights, but he also ate a few rights too. I thought it was a spirited fair, good fight. And then we became teammates later on when I got traded to New York from Colorado. So he was a good man. Enjoyed his, my time with him for sure. Right on. And uh, you know another guy you fought, and I've I. Haven't really interviewed him. I know he's been on, uh, of course, Darren over at Fourth Line Voices um, podcast, but uh, he gets mentioned in the episode I had with Andre Waugh, but you fought Joey Tedarenko. How was it fighting Joey? Big Joey, yeah. Um, he's always a gamer, too, you know. He's like a Jeff Rogers. He'd fight anybody, and he's a smaller statue like Rogers too, but I remember he's a gamer, and I give him credit, too. He fought anybody and everybody that he could, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so the next year in Philly, you actually end up with uh, probably one of the best power forwards to ever play the game, if you ask me. And uh, I enjoyed him when he coached over here in Tampa because he loved his tough guys. But that was Rick Tockett. How was it playing with him, man? It was awesome. Uh, I loved playing with Rick. 
Um, good teammate, good guy to hang out with. I think uh, halfway through the year, I think I was a left winger. Rotaka was a right winger. We had Billy Tibbetts as a centerman, so that was our fourth line. <laughs> oh, Billy Tibbetts. For a while, we had a little, yeah, we had a little brawl in Carolina. Yeah, we had good times. And then um, he was my assistant coach in Colorado. And then after the lockout, I signed with Phoenix and San Antonio, and he was there as well. So I got to follow talking a few times in my career. Awesome, man. Um, and, you know, some of the guys you fought that year, uh, I got to ask you about him. And he's a guy, you know, talking about it with other fight fans, I think he just came like a decade too late because he would have fit in right in like the 80s style hockey, but you fought Dale Pierrenton. How was it fighting him? Diesel, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just talking to him the other day on Facebook or whatever. Um, I think he's still mad at me because my overage year, I got traded to Lethbridge from the Blades. And that's the year they went to the M Cup. I think they lost in the final or whatever, but he still bugs me today that I never came back to play and help him win that M Cup. Um, I remember preseason game, affiliate New York, for the second fight. And I remember him get me down the ice. I had you, I had you, just screaming at me. But he was uh, always entertaining, never a dull moment with Diesel around. Sure. <laughs> there you go. And you're the, I guess you're the reason they lost the Memorial Cup. <laughs> so it's solely yeah, on you. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another guy you fought was uh, Chris Simon. And he's one of the toughest. He's, it's funny with Simon because it seems like for me it was he, you know, be an absolute killer for a couple years and then he'd kind of go away and then he'd come back out of nowhere. Um, so how was it yeah. fighting Simon? Um, it was in Washington. And I think I was at a lineup for a couple weeks. So I was kind of pissed off. And Desjardins, Eric Desjardins went down with an injury, so they put me back in the lineup. And I think the first time Chris came over to me and by the penalty box, and I cross-checked, and we knew we were going to fight right away. And I got lucky. He got the better of him the first type of the first fight, so he came after me in the third period, and I did well again. So I was pretty excited after that game to do well against Simon twice in one game. Got the better of him. There you go. And, you know, we brought him up, of course, with Stock, but you fought him with Stephen Pete. How was it fighting him? And he was just a big, strong dude, too. He was, yeah. Um, I think it was 3 nothing first four minutes in the game in Philly, and JR is coming over. Like, do not fight this guy. We're up 3 nothing. He's like, don't worry about it, JR. I got him. I got him. And we had a good spirited fair. It was a good fight. Um, and we fought a few years later when I was in Colorado. But, yeah, he was a gamer. Um, I reached out to him a couple of times. I did a lot of the hockey community back in the couple, last couple of years. There's a few issues with some fighters back in the day that are having struggles with mental health and all that stuff. So, right, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes well for Steven and you know all the best for him. Like I like you said, I know he's having some uh, some issues right now, unfortunately, but hopefully everything gets kind of sorted out for him. Um, and you know, you brought him up, and he's kind of like a polarizing figure in the hockey world. But uh, Jeremy Roenick, what was it like with him? Jr. Yeah, him and I hit it off pretty good right off the bat when um, he came into town before he signed a free agent. And then we uh, carpooled every day together, too. So kind of got to know him quite a bit that way. There's a lot of times I felt like it was his bouncer after games going out to restaurants or bars. I was always trying to keep people away from him. So I said, you have to owe me a salary outside of hockey at JR and keep those people away from you. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. A little protection fee there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, so the next year you end up in Colorado. And, you know, how was that? How did you like playing out there? That was great, you know. Um, Hitchcock took over in Philly, and I think he didn't like me right off the get-go because I fought Primo in practice, and Primo got the better of me because broke my nose, but the other side of my face, whatever. 
And ever since then, he didn't like me for whatever reason, whatever. And then Clarky, Bobby Clarky, come down, asked me, he's like, do you mind going down and play for the Phantoms for a couple of games? We'll try to trade you because Hitchcock's not, Hitchcock's not going to play you. And we'll try to get you moved. I'm like, absolutely. So went down for the Phantoms, played a couple of games. They moved me to Colorado. And playing on that team was a stacked team, man. Like Solani, Korea, Patrick Waugh, Forsberg, Blake. It was an unbelievable team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, how was it playing with like Solani and Korea and those guys? Was it just you know, some of the most skilled hockey you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. You're sitting on the bench. You just shake your head, look over to Clark, you're Rob Blake, and say, that just happened out there? And he's like, yeah, it's entertaining to watch. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Korea is one of my one of my all time favorites. You know, undersized guy and just moved the puck well. Unfortunately, you know, he got his career got derailed a little bit due to concussions. But loved watching Korea. Yeah. Um, and a couple guys you fought that year. You fought uh, Kip Brennan. How did that go? Uh, Kip Brennan. <laughs> um, he got the better of me. Um, I remember getting my bell rung against him, and he was pretty excited after the game. Rightfully so, he did well. And then I was kind of dazed. And I remember coming to to the next day, we're playing in Anaheim. That's when kind of the second period the lights came back on. So didn't really have concussion protocol back then. <laughs> right. Uh, you didn't have the concussion spotters or anything like that. No. So you just played through it. And then I uh, just remember the lights coming back on. But we fought a few more times in the minors. And also when I was in Phoenix. And I don't know, he always had my number anyways. Never did well against Kip. Sometimes it's like that. It's just you know, the one guy, and they might not be absolute killers, but they just have your number, and it's like that That's with some right. guys. Um, yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. And you know, Jeremy Yablonski has said before, if you if you never lost a fight, you're not fighting the right people. So it's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, and another guy you fought that year, and of course, I always liked watching him down here in Tampa with uh, him and Wall being the duo for a little bit. But it was Chris Dingman? You fought him, I think, twice. Uh, you know, twice, how was yeah. it fighting him? Well, we played junior against each other too. He was in Brandon. Yep, I was in Saskatoon. So we kind of knew each other, and you know, big. He's a big, strong guy. Did well in his career, two Stanley Cups. Um, he was a gamer too, and I was just looking to spark our teams both those times at bottom. I remember the one time he pissed off at me because I kind of tripped him up off the face off. He's like, "Square off if you want to fight." I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to get it going. You know, it goes sometimes. <laughs> right, exactly. Trying to egg guys on the fight. Yeah, I think one of the fights uh, you guys had that he, uh, I think you guys were up like three to zero in the first against Tampa, and he. Got it going there, but yeah, Dinger's another guy. He didn't, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy or didn't win them all or anything like that, but he'd always show up. So, you know, loved having him. And I was glad to see him win the Stanley Cup out there in Tampa. And him and Wall, I love the picture with him and Wall, and they're both skating off with the championship hats on and everything. So it's awesome. Um, yeah. And so the next year in Colorado, you get a little bit of added toughness. And one of the one of the other big heavyweights was Pete Worrell. How was it playing with him? Big Pete, yeah. Um, Pete was awesome. We uh, hung out quite a bit outside of the game. Um, we both lived downtown in Denver and got to know him really good as a friend, too. Um, what really struggled him that year was that he had knee surgery or knee scope, and he came back too early, and he was never the same skater. I'm not saying he was a strong skater to begin with. We'd always bug him about that, but but neither was I. So, But I think just with his knee injury, coming back too soon didn't help his skating, that's for sure, that year. Right. Well, it's funny with like with, with larger guys like yourself, you know, six seven. Anytime guys start getting above, I think like six five ish, it always just they just look kind of odd skating because it's just you're not, nobody's used to those kind of huge tall guys. Like even if like you look at Chara and it just looks odd, even though it's not that he's not a bad yeah. skater at all by any means, but it just it's oh. just bigger guys just look odd skating. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm sure like he's the beast, man. One of the better defense to play the game. Oh, absolutely. 100% <laughs> Hall of Famer. Um, yeah. Another guy you fought was uh, John Erskine. And to me, John Erskine is probably one of the most underrated guys out there as far as the heavyweights go. Because he didn't fight all the time. But when he did, it was look out. <laughs> yeah. And talk about a guy that became such a good everyday defenseman too, right? When he was first with Dallas in that lineup playing 4D, and then he found his home with Washington too. So, yeah, I feel like I fought him a couple of times. Both times he had that sneaky undercut that got me down twice, so. Well, there you go. Yeah, he had that uppercut, man. And he even, uh, I think it landed a good one on Colt Noor, too. And that, that was a really good yeah. fight that they had. Um, yeah. So, well, you know, your NHL career is kind of winding down, but you're still playing. Uh, and you actually end up over in Europe, and you're playing for Newcastle. How did that kind of happen, man? What what, uh, what made you sign over there? Was there, did you kind of see, like, where the cards kind of get laid out that you might not be on the, or might not be in the NHL much longer? And I uh, played with a guy in Syracuse named Paul Ferone. Big tough guy from out in Vancouver area. Like, there are my notes big. over here. That's what I was going to ask you about was old Paul Ferone. Yeah, so he was part owner of that team. So I called him up, and, you know, that was their lockout year, so I came over and played for him. That's how I got over there. Uh, and uh, some of the best years I had over there. I played there two years. And it was good people. I've met a lot of good friends that I'm still in touch with today. Absolutely. And, you know, how was it playing with Ferone, man? Because he's, again, the guy who didn't fight all the time, but he'd always just be a gamer. He would be. He'd be. Uh, he'd fight anybody, and he's a big boxer guy too, off the ice. Um, I think if he was playing nowadays, like he's like a Ripken, I thought, same size, good fighter, fight anybody. Just he came at the wrong area where all the guys were six, seven, and above, almost for tough guys. For sure, um, and you know, so you actually end up in San Antonio uh, back in the AHL. You know, how, how was that for you? Were you, you excited to be back, I guess, in North America playing hockey again? Or, you know, how was yeah, it down there? Yeah, I signed with Phoenix. I went to their training camp. Did well. That's when Gretzky was coaching that Phoenix team. And uh, got sent down to San Antonio. Um, kind of off here, hockey-wise. I knew I wasn't leaving that town when I got there, and I seen McAllister Parkway. I'm like, I guess I'm not leaving this place. Or is that Oldman? <laughs> <laughs> there you go but it's all different playing in texas you know texas is, it could be its own country it's different um good teammates i had there though um like i said we didn't have a great team but we uh did lots together outside of hockey in that year i played um it was really my first true year outside of the nhl the last seven and a half years so trying to get used to the game is different that, you know, once you get to NHL level, I find it easier because more people are in their position. And when you come back down, it's just a, a learning curve. For, it was for me anyway. Right. And, you know, everybody's kind of hungry. And so I'm sure you're just getting bugged left and right to drop the gloves and everything like that. Yeah. And, um, I know. remember uh, in Philly, I broke my – I shattered my left wrist in Philly against Calgary. And I, ever since then, I was never the same fighter. I never had the strength in my left to hold guys off and – you know, you try to recreate yourself a little bit, but people know he's a fighter and you can't really do what you could do before. So it's kind of frustrating that way. Right. And, you know, once you get pigeonholed into that role a bit there, you get labeled into that yeah. enforcer role. You know, guys are good. Guys are hungry. They're just trying to make a name for themselves and big name like yourself. Um, just unfortunate way it goes with injuries. But uh, you fought a guy and I loved watching him down in Tampa, but he was in Anaheim at the time and he only played one season up here in Tampa, but uh, always loved watching him. But you fought Zen and Kanopka. How was it fighting Z? Yeah. Big Z was good. He was strong. I, I, uh, I underestimated. I didn't realize he was that strong when we first squared off, but 
you know, he, he did well for himself. That fight, he surprised me more than anything. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a square fight, even fight for us. There you go. I was going to say, I was trying to look it up. I don't know if there's footage of that fight out there or not. Um, but, yeah, I think Kanopka will go down. Uh, like Again, not one of the biggest guys, but I think he'll go down in the record books as the last guy to ever have a 300-penalty-minute season in the NHL because um, I don't think we'll be seeing that <laughs> anytime soon in today's NHL. No, I was just reading today with uh, Vegas re-signing him. I think last year he got a whopping 44 penalty minutes, I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, oh Reeves? Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got he's just got no takers anymore. Nobody will oh, nobody will do it. And you know, I always regard Reeves, and I, I made a post about it. I think it was either yesterday when it happened or today. Uh, he's he's it. He's the last of the enforcers. Whether you know people like it or not, he just is, and he's the last guy that kind of fought all the heavies on their way out, like McGratton and uh, Jansons, guys like that. So um, it's I, I enjoy watching him and. The fact that he re-signed is kind of cool because I'll always keep my eyes open for Reeves. Um, he's kind of the last old-school guy. And, of course, you got guys like Tom Wilson and uh, Ross Johnson, but I don't think they're kind of the same caliber as Reeves. Um, and so another guy you fought that year, and the other sheriff was Sean McMorrow. And I know he kind of gets um, gets some flack for his fight style a little bit sometimes because sometimes it's like he'll, like he'll seat belt and then other times he'll go toe-to-toe. But how was the fight McMorrow? We went toe-to-toe. We did Rochester, and, yeah, I remember the fight. Um, toe to toe, and afterwards we, you know, thanked each other. And he skated off. He did his patent move that he does after every fight. He said he still did in the Quebec Senior League there too. But you know, some guys have their personalities after fights and all that. And I got nothing but respect for him. Absolutely, and yeah, old, old Sean McMorrow, and I think he holds the record still to this day for most fights in the season. And it was out in the Quebec League, and I want to say it was like eighty-three or something, that's, just some something ridiculous like that. Absolutely, um, <laughs> and you know, the last guy I'll ask you about from the San Antonio days that you fought him, and he's—I um, know he's not the coach of this team anymore, but he's been doing very well, and hopefully, I really hope he gets called up to the NHL to kind of prove some of the critics wrong. But that was Rocky Thompson, old Rocky Hockey. How was it fighting him, man? I love Rocky. Um, Medicine Hat, I was in Leftbridge. We are both going to NHL training camps. We had a good fight there. And then uh, I think it was our first year pro. I was in Syracuse. He was in St. John Flames. We had a great tilt in St. John. And then we had a good fight in Peoria, too. Um, and uh, he's I can't believe how well he's done for coaching, which is great for him. And I hope he does make it to the next level, which I think he will. For sure, yeah. I always mention on the podcast with guys like him and Baruby coaching, and you get some of those ex- the, the experts out there will say that, you know, kind of, oh, well, they were just out there to fight or whatever. What do they know about the game? And typically most of the time it's those guys that are trying to improve their game all the time, so they know the game almost better than anybody. So well, it's would, good to see them exceed yeah. or excel, I, I would should say. say some, of the, some of the best coaches are fourth-line guys and goalies, right, guys that always see the game? Oh, absolutely. Um yeah. And so after San Antonio, you actually end up in the United League. Uh, you know how how do you enjoy? Yep, how do you enjoy playing out there in the United League? It was probably one of my funniest years I've ever had playing hockey. Really? Um, I hurt my ankle training in the summertime, so I did have a deal going over in Finland, and that fell through. And then I just had my agent that worked with Kalamazoo, and it worked out. And we lost in the final against Rockford that year, but playing with Tyler Willis and Bootland. And a few other guys. It was probably one of my funniest years we've had all my whole career playing in Kalamazoo that year. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, was, I, I grew up watching the United League because I grew up a Mallards fan. That's where I was originally from with the Quad Cities. So I yep. um, always love hearing about the United League. And to this day, I'll still argue that it's probably one of the best minor leagues that was around as far as um, it had like the right 
blend of toughness and skill and everything like that. Um, you know, I remember you, going to uh, Fort Huron and a kid named Robert Snowball kept on bugging me and bugging me and bugging me to fight him. So I finally fought him. And I had longer hair at that time. And I remember in that fight, I broke my thumb. And people were so amazed that we have a fight and we follow each other outside the rink to go through the same gate. Like, are you kidding me? You guys just had a toe-to-toe fight. And they skate next to each other, come off the ice the same gate. I bet you we talked for half an hour after that fight, too. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's just the uh, the mutual respect you guys have in that role. It's just awesome. Um, and, you know, you brought him up earlier, and I was going to ask him about or ask you about him once you went back overseas, but we'll bring it up now, is uh, Tyler Willis and old Willie. He's probably got one of the funniest or one of the funniest cameos ever in that old United Hockey League uh, mic'd up segment with uh, Jason Ralph out there with the Rockford. Um, yeah. Oh, fucking Willie. Will- Willie's going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that. Too. Maybe a month ago I watched that documentary again. Just got some good laughs about it. Yeah. How, how was Willie it? Like, was my was teammate, he just... Willie was my teammate in uh, Newcastle as well. So, yep. Well, you know, was he was he always chirping just nonstop all the time? Oh yeah, just always it out. Oh yeah, that's yeah, still one of my favorite videos of all time. <laughs> Jason, I'm gonna fucking run that cunt. Oh, he yeah, wanted to kill great. Willis so bad. <laughs> um, so, well, you know, before you get to the uh, overseas again, you actually ended up in Hershey and. You know, by that time, are you really kind of seeing the end of your kind of career and you kind of realize, you know, I, I might be able to do this a couple more years, but we're going to call it quits after this? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that's when I started going online schooling and trying to get my education because I do it probably retire soon. And at the time, I thought I'd be living in the States where you kind of needed a degree to do anything. So I uh, did some leadership management courses online. And then, you know, Hershey was a good, probably the best ran minor league team I've ever been on. Could be at NHL team the way they run things the way that organization is down there that's awesome um and a couple guys you fought there uh one of them was actually a former guest on the podcast kind of one of the first interviews i ever did actually but was jeremy yablonski yabo how was it fighting him yabo was good um he got the better of me that fight and we had a good talk afterwards like yeah yabo you did a good job and all that stuff he's like nothing about respect for me too he's like you've done a long time nothing about respect and i remember playing against him when he was down in milwaukee too just starting up and Yalbo's done well for himself and I'm married to Yablonski too so <laughs> they're cousins so they, I know how that personality goes oh yeah absolutely and yeah Yablonski's one of those dudes he just generally loved to fight and so he was just always amped up for it and um, I'm a huge Yablonski fan so it's you know cool to hear that you guys had a kind of a little mutual respect there um, and the last guy I'll ask you about that you fought and legend in the minor league hockey world and the enforcer world and, you know, most career penalty minutes of all time was Dennis Bonvey. Yep. Marine Bones had some battles when uh, he was in Hamilton. I was in Syracuse and just before I got called up to NHL. And then we had, you know, kind of my last, one of my last fights ever was against Bones. Nothing but respect for Bones, too. He's done well for himself outside of hockey. Uh, he's got nothing but respect for that, man. Yeah, he's doing scouting for the Bruins, I believe, which is actually pretty cool. Um yeah, so, you know, you're wrapping it up in Wichita, and, you know, how was your experience there? <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> Not going to lie. Um, just with coaching, the change, and then just how bad the team was. Nine wins, 50 losses, one tie, I think it was. Just And I could have got moved, could have got traded, but I knew it was my last year. I didn't want to move around. That was uh only good thing about that year is I met my future wife now. 
There you go. You got something good out of it. That's right. <laughs> um, well, there you have it, man. Your, your whole career, you know, summed up some of the toughest guys you fought, and you did. You managed to play parts of eight seasons in the NHL. So, you know, props to you. And what a career you had, man. Like, honestly, you might not have won a Stanley Cup or anything, but just the fact that you played NHL doing the role that you did, um, you know, you don't see it anymore. So it's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I uh, would do it all over again, too. I think most guys would say that. So, Oh, there you go. You answered my last question. I was going to ask if you had to do it all over again, would you do it the same way? Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, Chris. You know, this has been awesome. And I uh, got to hear some good stories about some tough guys and everything like that and some funny stories as well. So um, I appreciate you coming on. You Cheers, play. man. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Right. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, too. You gotta fight for your right.